You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. Matt Levine and Lila Bromberg with you today. And it's officially Rutgers week for all three revenue sports, football, men's basketball, and women's basketball. We'll look ahead for those games. We'll talk about uh, men's basketball's terrible loss to Clemson. And just we'll kind of recap everything that's going on and, and look ahead. But Lila, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I mean, I'm – I would – let me restart. I wasn't expecting you to say, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's kind of strange that we're coming up on the last home game of the season for Maryland football, last game of the regular season. Can't lie, getting a little emotional senior day. Going to do a little throwback and take some photos. But, yeah, looking forward to it. Doing pretty well besides uh, watching that painful game last night. What about you? Same thing for me, except uh, it's not my senior day until next year. So, Guys, I don't know if you know this, but, like, the true reason why all these games have gotten canceled is Matt. And I'm very worried because he is broadcasting the game. And every single game, except for one that he's been set to broadcast this year, has been canceled. Two. I got two in. I got two in. But five, four have been canceled. Ohio State football, Michigan State football, men's basketball. No, women's basketball against Mount St. Mary's and women's basketball against Coppin State. There was a men's basketball one too, wasn't there? There might have been. So maybe it's five. So we're hoping that I'm just, Matt I'm, doesn't I'm jinx things. I'm the Maryland Athletics curse right now. Yeah, so we're hoping he doesn't jinx things so we can get some games this weekend. Yeah, and I'm, I'm calling men's basketball on Monday against Rutgers too. So you're in luck. Both are getting canceled now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, Maryland football set to return with their game canceled last week against Michigan because of Michigan's COVID issues. Now they're going to host Rutgers just for their second home game of the season. It's kind of hard to believe. Their only home game was October 30th, uh, and now they're here for December 12th, it is, a home game. So basically almost two months, a month and a half of travel or no games, and now they're finally returning home. Um, I have a feeling that this game is not going to be as exciting or down the wire as that one. I can, I can say that with a lot of certainty, especially with some of the guys they've coming back. Yeah, so Loxley said 80 to 90% of the players that – were involved with the COVID or affected by COVID was the word he used, I think, are coming back this week. So that's definitely a good thing for Maryland. Yeah, so all of the players on the two deep, um, all the, you know, kind of starters and primary backups are back, except for Allende Ely, um, linebacker on defense. So, I mean, they're getting all of their offensive weapons back. They're getting their offensive linemen back. They're getting their two uh, best defensive backs, some of their um, – other linebackers and other defensive players back getting back your wide receivers so I mean they're pretty much at full capacity at this point because those are the guys you need um and I think some other depth is a little more uh interchangeable and you know losing Ely isn't great but they've got enough pieces there um to really make an impact and I think it's just so good to have all those offensive pieces back I and it has to be especially good for Talia at quarterback who I mean, he had his best receiver in Dante Demas against Indiana, but when you didn't practice for that long, you didn't play games for that long, you don't have two starting O-linemen. You don't have your starting center, so you're not really seeing the ball snapped as you usually do. Uh, Just so many different things went into why he – You don't have your top running back? 
can't even forget to mention that. Uh, and there are just so many playmakers there that weren't able to run the offense, and it doesn't just rely on the quarterback. And I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how they respond here. Uh, and I think this is a great test for them. A team like Rutgers, who has struggled a little bit this season, uh, we expected them to be kind of at the bottom. But they're also in that rebuilding phase with Greg Schiano coming back now, his first season in his second stint at Rutgers. Uh, he's a great coach. So I think this is going to be a really good game to watch. And it's important that Maryland has their weapons back because they really had no – they were in that game against Indiana for the longest time and they still had no life there. Um, so if they're able to come up right away and score on their first drive like they have done so successfully this year, they should be in the driver's seat the rest of the way. Yeah, and we, we've talked about this. We've talked about this the other week of you can't really take Leah's performance at face value against Indiana just because there are so many circumstances. He didn't have his usual, you know, time with locks. Just everything was messed up. He didn't have – you mentioned the center. I think we've seen a lot of talent from him. And while it has been hot and cold with that first week and then this last game against Indiana – I think he's going to have a really good performance this week, especially having those weapons back, like, like we said. And, you know, because of Maryland's cancellations, this game means so much, right? This game is the difference between a winning and losing record on the year. You and I have talked about this. We thought this team could have easily finished 5-3 and three or 6-2 and two if they hadn't had those games canceled. And so, you know, you're, st- you're stuck with a much tighter record than we anticipated because of those cancellations and if they do win this game it'll be the first time since they've joined the Big Ten that they finish with a winning record which is truly something yeah and despite everything it doesn't (laughs) matter once that record shows three and two that that really is something special uh, especially moving forward and I know that they don't really like to look at even the next week or the next season but when you go three and two that gives you a lot of momentum rolling into next year even if they don't want to say it does, it does. Right. And then you have the two games coming up, which we'll get into shortly of you'll have a championship week game. And, and I would assume a bowl game. Um, the requirement is being 500, which, you know, I think they should be if they, if they win this week. And even if they lose next week, they win both. I mean, they have an opportunity now to end um, five and two, you know, if, if they are able to win uh, their next three games if, you know, they have the bowl game in addition to championship week. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a shame just because it's not going to look great with the record, um, just with the missing games. But like we've said, you have to take everything this season with a grain of salt. And I think it says a lot. You saw a much more competitive team. You really did. Um, Even against Indiana shorthanded. Yes, that offense was terrible. Matt and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, like the – um, the offense, the defense was terrific, especially in the past game. And you're seeing a lot of positive signs. We've been around the team. We've talked about the direction this team is going with before, so we're not going to harp on it too much. But it definitely is a good sign. And, uh, you know, with this week as well, before we get into previewing uh, Rutgers specifically, just to kind of talk about what this game means a little bit more in terms of the standings. So this season, the standings, the final standings are not going to be based on win-loss record, but because of the nature of this year, they're going to be based on win percentage. So, you know, because Maryland has only played four games right now, they don't have a lot of wiggle room there. So right now at two and two, you know, they've won 40% of their games. Um, Michigan had this week canceled. It was 
the final spot was going to be between Maryland, Michigan, and Michigan State for third place. So it comes down to Maryland and Michigan State. Um, if Maryland wins, they automatically secure it. And if, you know, they somehow lose the Rutgers and the Spartans lose as well, then they'll, they'll also get it. So it's either the Spartans losing or the Terps winning either works. And so right now, uh, based on the current standings, the three spot in the East would face Wisconsin, um, while fourth place team would square off with Minnesota. And Matt, we talked about this a little bit before. I thought this would be this could likely be reversed with the Badgers playing number 16 Iowa and the Golden Gophers playing Nebraska. Uh, what do you think about that? And just kind of what are your outlooks so far in championship week before we get into Rutgers? Well, I think I personally think Wisconsin has had a tough time this year, but they're a much better team than their record shows. Also at two and two, uh, they're a preseason top 25. I think they were top 15, if I'm not mistaken. But preseason rankings do not mean anything. Listen, they've had <laughs> they've had it the worst. I, in my opinion, in the Big Ten, they had. We've both had the same amount of games canceled. They've both had the same amount of games. Yeah, I know. But as far <laughs> as who could have competed at the top of their division, Wisconsin was set to win their division. And it, I thought they would That's have been true. better That's than true. Northwestern had, had this been a normal season. But with everything that happened, they weren't able to get that many games as we saw a young quarterback like that, whose their offense has only put up 13 points in total in the last two weeks. You see that when you don't play and you don't practice for all these COVID cancellations, it's the same thing that happened with Maryland's quarterback. It's it's a struggle. It, it, you struggle. Yeah, and they have the same record too. I mean, there's a lot of similarities yeah. between this team. You know, they both had a ton of games canceled. Both are two and two, and so it'll be really interesting, like you said. Yeah. So I I personally think Wisconsin's going to come out and beat Iowa. I don't know why. That's just my gut right now. Even though Iowa's been so good, they've won five straight, and I think that that might come to an end and kudos to them if this game is played they're going to complete their eight game schedule and so is Rutgers if Maryland is able to play Rutgers uh, so they've avoided every cancellation which is it's mind-boggling how many that how many teams have been affected by this you almost are shocked by teams getting through I, I am I don't know if I necessarily believe this I've said it before but you know we'll, we'll take what they're saying um, but let's let's say you're right then so they they would play Wisconsin but if I'm right then it would be Minnesota. And Maryland's already played Minnesota. I know when everything was announced, Kevin Warren said they'd try to avoid double matchups. So then would Maryland face, um, you know, Wisconsin in that instance? Like, I feel like there could be an instance where Maryland plays Wisconsin regardless, and then you've Michigan play Minnesota. I, or did they already face – I think they might have faced as well. Too. Yeah, it's going to be – I don't know. I think I think when it comes down to it, they might just have to match up the standings, even if there's rematches, because I don't know how they're going to avoid that without shaking up the whole thing. Right. I mean, again, you have Purdue at two and four, but I feel like Purdue right now is in, you know, fifth place. That seems like it would be a little lopsided, but we'll see what happens. I mean, the teams Maryland hasn't played in the West are Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, and Nebraska. They're not going to play Nebraska. Purdue and Illinois are both at two and four, so I guess it depends on who wins over the weekend as to who will be the fifth-place team. I, I, I don't think they're going to play Iowa. I mean, Iowa you're obviously going to have against Indiana. So I think it's going to come down to Wisconsin, Minnesota, or Purdue, and it's just going to end up kind of based on what the 
Big Ten ends up doing with really organizing that. We still also don't know where these games are going to be played. Yeah, there's so much up in the air. But uh, as I was alluding to before, if they do shake everything up, I wouldn't put it past them because we've seen how <laughs> how many rule changes literally since when they canceled or when they postponed the season in, what was it, May? Maybe. I don't even remember now at this point, June. And then they come back and they say that they're going to play know. in like August, I think. Every every month. August was when we got the announcement that it was coming back. Yeah. So and then like a few days later, they're like, "Nope, never mind." And then late September, late September, or maybe mid mid September, somewhere around there was when we found out it was coming back. It's a, everything just kind of meshes together at this point, but right. So you know, how many times have they gone back and forth with that? And then just throughout the season, just different things going on, and now they lift the six game minimum for the big 10. I, I mean, that's get Ohio state in there. So I think both of those things are expected though, right? Like yeah. it's a really weird season and, and they're trying to do the best they can. It's Kevin Warren's, you know, first year and he steps into this situation. That's, that's really hard. Everyone around the country is struggling with it. At least the big 10 is putting safety first where a lot of other conferences are, but you know, in terms of Ohio state, I didn't even realize this until I was reporting on it the other day, but Indiana does not have that big of a chance of going into the college football playoff. That game between them and Northwestern could be a, a toss-up, right? They know that Ohio State has that chance, and they don't want to get in the way of Ohio State getting that chance. But they get a $6 million buyout, the conference does, if, uh, if Ohio State or any team gets into the college football playoffs. So this was clearly a financial decision. No, yeah, I'm not, I'm not – knocking down their decision i'm just saying that i'm just saying they would have done it all along they would have done whatever they needed to do all along if, if ohio state was good to get them in the championship yeah i'm agreeing with <laughs> you i'm saying that we've seen their fluidity this year oh yeah no that's true that we can expect them to potentially shift up who's going to play next week but it's, it's definitely going to be west between east they're not going to change that I hope not, personally. I don't think they would. That would change the whole idea of it. I don't – I mean, you can't have, like, a championship week without doing that in my opinion. You know opinion. what? Here's what they should do for next year and the years coming. They should scrap the divisions altogether. They should because the Big Ten East is always harder. Maybe not this year because this year is in crazy. No, it but still is. It still is. Ohio State, Indiana is, are tougher than Northwestern and Iowa. Yeah, 100%. Opinion. And I think Maryland – Michigan, Michigan, the the top dogs have been terrible this year, but in a normal year, it's the top four teams in the entire conference are usually in the East. Maybe Michigan State isn't, and Wisconsin's above them, but this is not normal, and we've seen that. You could just look at the standings, and you see Michigan and Penn State, and Michigan State under five hundred. You're like, oh, this this has to be fake, but no, this is the weirdest season in history of sports. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, going to be a strange one. And it, yeah, this uh, championship week is interesting. I actually really love the idea. I think maybe it'd be cool to do that every year. Um, I, really, I really do like the concept. And then it helps teams as well in terms of getting bowl game eligibility and getting uh, more out there. So I actually think that could be a really cool idea to continue. Uh, so we'll see if that happens, but, and, you know, it also creates more revenue for the conference as well, which I'm sure they like, but you're right. I mean, I think it would work better if, 
you scrap those divisions and, and it worked a, a different way. Um, and you have, you know, the top two teams make the championship, but I highly doubt it's going to change. And, you know, like we said, I do think you're going to see Maryland competing in an actual Big Ten East uh, in the future, you know, and shortly, because this, this team has a lot of talent. And, you know, I'm not afraid to say that I know it's going in the right direction. Yeah, they have no, the ability to be very dangerous next year. They have the pieces and the recruiting class set in the years coming, the pieces now and the recruiting class set to, to really compete at the That top. defensive line is going to be stacked. And then you've got, um, you know, we've talked about this, and then they got two defensive linemen this week as well. Uh, with Cummins, it may have been even more. I think it was two for 2020 uh, with signing day coming up shortly. And just the talent you have developing here, um, the young talent is so good on this team. You give Leah another year to get in the system. Yeah, they're, they're going to be dangerous. But in terms of this weekend, I think <laughs> they're going to be very dangerous as well. Like we said, with these pieces back and facing a team like Rutgers, what are your expectations for this weekend and what stands out to you about this Rutgers team? Well, my expectation is that Maryland's going to score a lot of points uh, <laughs> historically against each other. Um, Maryland, well, Maryland's won four of the last five meetings. And since joining the Big Ten, the Terps have averaged 36.8 points per game against them, never scoring lower than, th than 24 in a game. So right then and there, if history is going to repeat itself, they're going to score a lot of points. And when you have all those weapons back, that's, they've been practicing now. I don't know when they started their prep for Rutgers, probably over the weekend once they moved Well, that's on. a good thing, right? They've had two weeks to prepare for this game. That's, that's right. one bonus of last week being canceled is they had two weeks to get back in a rhythm, and they had two weeks to prepare for one opponent. Exactly. I don't know how much like actual game prep they've done, but in terms of practicing, they've practiced now for two weeks straight. Yeah, and they're getting back in a rhythm. That's so important. Exactly. So once they're in that routine, you're going to see – and I, I predict you're going to see Talia come back like he was against Penn State or Minnesota. Um, his ball placement was in those two games was un, unreal. I've never seen anything like that from a Maryland quarterback. And I think this game is going to be another one of those games where he breaks out and shows those glimpses of what he can do. Uh, but as far as Rutgers goes, I think that their biggest weapon is their running back, Isaiah Pacheco, a junior. Uh, their quarterback actually was playing at Nebraska and played on their basketball team last year towards the end of the year, Noah Vedrill, transferred to Rutgers. He wears the number zero now that college football allows that. I'm sad no one on Maryland decided to do that. I absolutely hate it for a quarterback. It's oh, yeah, I hate it for a quarterback, but I, I wanted someone on Maryland's team to do I it. I hate it in football regardless. It's, and now they're doing it in the MLB as well. It's only a basketball number, and it will never change. <laughs> it is terrible. He looks like he, he looks. I don't know. He, he, he <laughs> Matt is upset, guys. He goes to school in Jersey. That's that's the bottom line. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. But I think that they're going to run the ball a lot, and Maryland's run defense has been torched so far this year. They're going to have to step up in a big way. It was, it was really good against Penn State, and they did kind of okay no they didn't well, do it it was good against penn state it was good against yeah okay okay i take that back but i mean so, you know, Rutgers is only averaging 128 rushing yards a game like that's not great well, and they're only Rutgers. averaging 3.4 rush they're Rutgers. No, right no no no, no, no. They, they they don't have the best offense they have a, a quarterback that is he's decent he's not great he's thrown i think he's thrown eight interceptions 
and nine touchdowns, but uh, Pacheco is he's their guy and he's going to get the ball a lot, whether it's rushing or catching the ball in the backfield. Uh, so he's the guy to watch out for. And even if he doesn't have the greatest games, and you said they're averaging 100-something rushing yards per game, if Maryland can hold them to that, Maryland's going to win. And there's no question. Um, so they, they really have to do a good job of stopping him. Right. And in terms of, of what you said, I think it's just going to be interesting. Like you look at those things that you mentioned, um, you know, you look at a guy like Talia and, you know, he is a thousand and eleven yards playing just four games. You look at Rutgers and, you know, the guy you mentioned, um, you know, Noah Verdrell, he has uh, 1217. So like that's only 200 more yards and three more games. Three more games. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and they also, they've played their other quarterback a decent bit. Um, he had, he's been averaging 107 yards per game, but he's only played two games. So, I mean, he's had like a 214 yards on the season. I'm not really sure what happened with that. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think these teams stack up. Uh, quite frankly, when Maryland has its full weapons. And, you know, you saw it be a blowout with this team last year. And um, this Maryland team is so much better. Another thing that stands out to me is just comparing these teams' efficiency on offense. If you look at Rutgers, they currently um, – they don't kind of look great when you're looking at how much they're getting per play. When you look at their total offense, they're getting 4.7 yards per, per play, uh, while Maryland is getting 6.7. And, you know, that's with having the two not-so-great games. Again, larger sample size for Rutgers. Uh, and then in terms of passing, Maryland has 8.4 yards per passing attempt, while Rutgers uh, only has six. And then you look at rushing, and Maryland has 4.7. Most of that has to do with last week because when you, you know, a guy like Jake Funkin, that isn't the case. He wasn't there last week. And, you know, through every game, he's been really good. So, I mean, that number doesn't really speak for itself because it was up around like 8, 9, or 10 when he was in. And then, you know, the freshmen last week weren't able to get as many yards per play. But for Rutgers, you know, that's only 3.4. So it's still significantly lower. So just – in terms of their efficiency, how much they can get a play, you know, Maryland really has done a lot better in that regard. And in Rutgers games, uh, you know, through the season, they've had 138 first downs and allowed their opponents 168. Yeah, that's a crazy difference when you talk about those first downs. And that kind of shows their, I guess, yeah, it shows that they're in a rebuilding phase still. Uh, and they're gonna they're gonna be competing at the top. And I do not believe that it's Rutgers. I think so. It, I, think I, I don't believe that for a second. If you look at Greg Schiano, this guy is a good coach. But it's I, Rutgers. I'm not gonna put it past him. He's a good coach. I don't care. Um, but it is Rutgers. We always joke about that. That's that's our nice little joke that we don't get made fun of at Maryland anymore. Just we get to make fun of Rutgers. But <laughs> Maryland talk, will be better than Rutgers 100. percent Yes. Without question. But when you're talking about that rushing game as well, I want to look at Jake Funk. Um, Maryland statistically has ran for over 200 yards twice in the last two seasons over Rutgers uh, with five rushing touchdowns in both those games. 
yes, a lot of that had to do with Anthony McFarland and Javon Leak, who are, uh, well, we know that Anthony McFarland's in the NFL now, Javon Leak on the practice squad of the Washington football team. But when you have Jake Funk in there, the fifth-year guy, senior day, final home game, this guy's going to have a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to go out there, and he's, he's really going to try to play well. And I think Rutgers defense might have a hard time uh, if Maryland's able to early on establish a run game or establish the pass game and then they'll be able to, to switch off and because once you establish one the other one opens up a little bit as well because the defense will not know what's coming so once they're able to establish that run game that's going to open up everything else here's what really stands out to me about Jake Funk when you look at his season he's only lost one yard for an entire season one like, that's, that's crazy uh, to me. Uh, you know, he's, like, only been stopped in terms of gaining more yards once. That's, that's kind of ridiculous. He's averaged 120 – sorry, 112 yards per game, 7.8 yards uh, per carry. He has two rushing touchdowns. And, you know, he's put in some receiving touchdowns as well. Um, currently with one there and so you know he has three touchdowns on the season for three games you know that's pretty good for him uh, you know he's only played in three games and like you said he's been dominant it's his senior day he's been through so much in his career I think this game is going to be huge for him especially being a local guy playing his last game at home and you mentioned Rutgers and and struggling to stop that run and uh, that's definitely going to be something to watch in this game you know, they've allowed opponents uh, 1,270 yards this season while they've only had 898 themselves. They just – they haven't been good in that regard in, in any way. Um, yes, they've only allowed opponents 4.1, but when you just kind of look at the overall uh, yardage and how they've allowed that, it really hasn't been great. So that's definitely something that Maryland can take advantage of. And, you know, it's, it's a similar thing with passing. You know, Rutgers has just been outdone in pretty much every single stat category, and Maryland's going to look to take advantage of that. They're going to be hungry to get back on the field. They've had to sit out for just so much of a season, and this is their final time to go out at home. Yeah, and Jake Funk to be averaging 7.81 yards per carry, which you said he's only lost one yard total. This guy just gains yards and finds a way to push forward every time. That's the second highest average among all FBS running backs right now. Obviously, it's a short sample size, a small sample size with three games played under his belt. But still, 7.81 yards per carry. He's really going to try. I think, I think he's going to maybe have the best game of his career, which we saw him do earlier this year. Um, but I think he might double that now and, and have his, his best game of his career in his final home game. And you said all he's been through, the two ACL tears, other injuries. Um, he was doubted pretty much when being recruited. I think he was a two-star. And he came out of high school as the Maryland Gatorade Player of the Year, and nobody really wanted him. I don't know why, but he's unreal. For them and he's been he's been their guy in terms of being a leader and now he's going to be the team captain this week in his final home game in his fifth year so what a way to go out I'm telling Why does everyone need to keep making me emotional about like this being like senior day like every time someone says it, I'm like oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you he's going out and he's he's gonna have he's gonna have a day that's my that's my prediction so speaking of predictions let's each give our predictions for the game before we get into was just 
a not great game for Maryland uh, against Clemson. But don't worry, guys. We all know it was painful. We won't harp on that too much. We'll get into uh, kind of previewing some Big Ten play as well. But, Matt, what is your preview? I think mine is going to be a little high, a little ambitious, but I'm just going to go for it. But I'll, I'll let you go first. Well, I think Maryland's going to win. And they're going to be 3-2. and two. Um, They're going to score a lot, I said, early on when we started. So I'll pick 45. And they put up 45 against Minnesota, right? I think they did. Yes. Let me check. Yeah, they won 45-44. So that'd be, that would tie the most points they scored this year. So I'm going to go with that. 45-17. Okay. I think my margin's a little bit higher. Um, I was going to say – 52 to 14. I might, I might bring that to 52. I'm going to go 52 to 17. That's where, that's where I'm going to go. Good. I think, I think they can score 52 points. Of course they can. If, if they're firing. It depends on what happens with locks, what locks decides to do late in the game in terms of, are we going to keep like abusing this team or not? (laughs) And no, no, I mean that like, that's what they did last year. And that's what they've done the past with Rutgers. And I'm not trying to disrespect Rutgers in any way, but I, I think Maryland is going to have a really big game. And when you, when you ask Locks, somebody asked him, I don't remember who, but he always says um, they're going to put the best guys out there to win no matter what. So if they do decide to keep those best guys in, we could see them running up – well, not running up the score, but scoring a lot of points. Um, and that, that's what and I they, think – Like I said, they want to make a statement. They, they really – this is like their last chance of the regular season to make a statement. And yeah. I think that's huge. And it's going to ride on Jake Funk. Jake Funk and Talia Tungvaluwa. I'm excited for this game. I think this is oh my. This is the breakout that we all, we all thought they had the breakout already, but then it kind of went to bed, and now it's coming back up. I don't. I didn't think it went to bed. I think we just had cancellations. Yes, but now nationally, they're going to get their recognition again. Okay. Okay. So uh, shall we get into other stuff from this week? Yeah. I'll, I'll let you go ahead with this. Well, we'll get into the Maryland men's basketball game now that they played on Wednesday night in the Big Ten ACC Challenge against Clemson. Uh, it might have been the worst start to a Maryland men's basketball game in a long time, and that's saying something because we saw all of those slow starts last year, and we saw all of those comebacks last year. But this time, Clemson did not let them back in the door. They, they put their foot in the door, and it was slammed right back. You know, they ran 5-0 run, a 6-0 run at one point to come back a little bit, and they were just shut down with another 7-0 run or 6-0 run to tie it back from Clemson. They were up by 20, uh, just like that. But Maryland was down 38-15 after the first half, and – I said right away after that. Right, 15. Let's just take a second to soak 15, 15 points. That's the fourth time that they've scored 17 or less in a decade in the first half. Uh, so They shot 26.1% and went one of eight on three-pointers in, in that first half. I mean, I mean they literally made um, six field goals in one half. That, that's it. I just – I don't know what it was. I really don't. I think everyone was trying to do their own thing. There was no team basketball. Uh, the guys that they've relied on so heavily early on, which we knew that they would, Wiggins, Ayala, Morcel, struggled. 
think they combined a two of 27 in the game. Two of 27 from your three best players, you'll never win a game, ever. And that's just, that's just how it's going to go. Three guys combining for that is terrible. Uh, and th- there's really no sugarcoating to that. The only bright spot I saw in this game was Dante Scott. Literally the only thing. He finished with 11 points. Uh, he had three blocks. He do, was do three of four from three. Do you want me to go on about my Dante Scott take? Because I'm still very upset about this. Sure. Okay. Uh, I wrote about this in my takeaways piece today. I don't think this is getting enough attention um, just as a stat in general. Um, so like you mentioned, he had 11 points. He, he had three points in the first half. And in the second half, um, he goes on a spurt where he scores eight points in three minutes. He was the only one to score a three-pointer uh, in that first half. And, you know, in the second half alone, he has those eight, point, eight points in three minutes. He has uh, – Throughout the second half, he has three blocks. He has six rebounds in the game. But here's the thing, right? Like, for the last 13 minutes of the game, he did not take a single shot, not one. He was the only player that was playing remotely well in this game, and he did not take a single shot. And I think, I think that was just a really, really poor coaching move. Um, I'm not usually one to kind of, like, really harp down on coaching decisions. Um, but. It's just like, how do you expect to win a game if you're not giving your best player any looks? You know, like, you have to realize at that point, okay, scoring by committee isn't working. But even if it is, he should be taking shots. How do you not drop a play for him? If you want any chance of winning that game, they had it down to 12 at one point. You still have a chance to win at that point. Why on earth would you not run plays for your guy that's hot? It doesn't make any sense to me. He didn't take a single shot. We're not talking about made shots. He didn't put up a single shot. They didn't pass him. They didn't run anything for him. And I think that's something that Maryland has struggled with a lot in in recent years and under Mark Turgeon is that he doesn't utilize players' ability. You saw it with Kevin Herter. You saw it with Bruno Fernando. You can see it with some other pros in the past on this team and, and on other teams, Jake Lehman being one of them. And that was a game where you just need to let your guy cook. You need to draw a place for him if you want any chance of winning this game. And he said after the game, we were just trying to get through the night. Like, to me, that's kind of unacceptable. Um, I, I'm, I'm not one to be extremely critical. I understand it's an extremely weird season and things like that, but that was something that could easily be fixed. Yes, you're on the road. Yes, it's been a tough stretch. You've had all these cancellations, fans for the first time. Okay, maybe that can, like, make up for some of the shooting, but it was still horrific. But th- that's something that could have significantly changed the game is if you drew more plays for him. And um, I, d- I just don't understand how that's even possible that he doesn't take a shot for that long of a time after being the only player that was playing well. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this? Because that's the thing that stood out to me more than anything. Well, without question, if your guy's hot, you got to give him looks. And that's – I kind of think that's where the selfishness went with – other players trying to do other things when just give the ball to Dante. He was making everything. He was four of seven, three of four beyond the arc. He had 11 points. You got to let that guy shoot. He was the only one that was showing any energy. It looked like on the court, any emotion to try and come back in that game. Obviously Daryl is doing that defensively without question. He struggled mightily on offense though, shot two of 10. So I think, I don't really think, anybody knew what their role was in this game 
And roles are allowed to change throughout the game, throughout any game, throughout any season. But they don't with this team. That's, that's what we that's saw yesterday. The that's thing is, what are you talking about in timeouts? That, that's my thing. Because if you see that your players are being selfish, why are you not emphasizing getting Dante the ball? Or why are you not drawing up a play that revolves around him? I don't that's think – I just don't understand. I don't think it 100% relies on Turgeon. It, uh, I'm not saying it 100% play. does, but it, it comes down to a coach when your best player is not getting a single shot. Yeah, no, it always comes down to the head coach, and that's part of the job. But when you look at just the stat line of how many shots that they put up, it was so sparing. that It really was spread out. Wiggins took 10 shots. Right, so then how does he not take a single shot? Why is your best player only taking seven shots an entire game? I don't get it. I don't understand why if 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 one player on the floor is playing extremely well and making shots and is going on a run and is is doing better than everybody else, if you're Aaron Wiggins, if you're Eric Ayala, if you're Daryl Morsell, take a step back on offense, give him the ball, and – Use your passing skills. Don't just pass around the perimeter. Um, I mean, because he he was three of four for deep, four of seven from the floor. Like, why – he could have ended up with over 20 points in that game if they had really just just ran some plays for him. Um, I, that just really stands out to me. Um, and I think that he's someone that they really need to feed more um, in future games. I personally didn't know how big of a jump he would take this year, but he's clearly take a significant leap. And, you know, if you have Aaron Wiggins that isn't doing well, if you have Eric Ayala that's not shooting well, if you have the same thing with um, with Daryl Morsell, like, I think you just need to, like, realize let's change the plan. Um, and you had seen them kind of do that in past games, like, kind of with when Hakeem Hart was really going. But I just don't think they made the right adjustments, and it seems like they really gave up early in this one. They were out of it. Once they had 15 points at the half, I think the mentality, I don't know what the halftime, I don't know what the mentality was after that. I really don't. But they, they shot themselves in the foot almost. You can't score 15 points and expect to win. And that's just not going to happen. And it's not going to happen against a team with the caliber of defense that Clemson has. And I think they were really tested for the first time um, because they played, and we talked about this, They've played teams that are terrible, and I'm not discrediting anything that other programs are doing. That's not my intention here, but Maryland is a much better team than the four teams that they started the year with, and they finally play a Power 5 opponent in the ACC with arguably a top-five defense in the country at this point, and they get absolutely embarrassed. Um, But one more thing to talk about with this is that this team's identity – so far has been depth scoring. And while we've seen four players in double figures in the first four games, this time we see only one player in double, double figures, but a lot of players, I think five players had at least six points. Maybe, yeah, Hakeem Hart at nine, Ayala had six, Wiggins had six, Galen Smith at eight, Dante at 11. So five players had at least six points in this game. Yeah, that that kind of shows the identity is going to keep going. Where right? they they don't have a star necessarily in this game. The star was Dante Scott, without question. But the fact that I think it was more selfish here with other players scoring than when everything was firing in all cylinders and you have four guys in double figures. Here you just kind of see that guys are just getting their shots up and they fell and that was it. 
but they still missed a lot of shots. They shot 20 of 50. That's terrible. And after shooting really, really well, shooting some of the highest percentages they've ever shot in the earlier season. Um, but but I if think, I can, I'd just love to go back to Dante Scott really quick, just because looking at his actual stats, because I want to get your take on this too. So right now, he's averaging 11.6 points and seven rebounds a game. Um, that's pretty huge right there. He's eight for 13 on three-point attempts this season. He's 20 for 29 on attempts from the entire floor. He hasn't played 30 mi- over 30 minutes in a single game. When he has played more, he's done really well. Um, you look at a game against St. Peter's where he had 12, uh, he had 14 points and 12 rebounds. You look at a game like Mount St. Mary's where he had 17 points uh, and five rebounds, as well as a block and two assists. He, he's really been good throughout the year. The only game he didn't play well in was against Navy. Um, he only played 20 minutes that game, only attempted two, sh- uh, two shots, made one of them, and only had two points. But if you take out that, that game, he's your leading scorer on this team, most likely. Um, you look also, just compared to the rest of this team, it, it's pretty significant where he ranks. You know, and, and I think he should be starting. He's only started two games, but you look at this and uh, he has eight three-point makes, which is tied for second on the team behind Hakeem Hart after that insane game. Um, you know, Hakeem Hart has 12 points a game because of that crazy game. And Eric Ayala has 13.4. So, you know, Dante Scott would be second on the team if you take out that one game. And if, like I said, if you take out his game against uh, Navy, he's leading this team in points. He currently uh, has he, – he just – he's looked really good. He really has. Um, and, and I just think he needs to get more looks. Yeah. He also has six steals on the team, second – or sorry, I was looking at Hakeem Hart right there with steals. Um, he's averaging 11.6, as I said, seven rebounds, three steals on the season, five blocks. He's had a block in every single game. I think that while you are going to have spread out scoring, I think one thing they should maybe try to experiment with a bit more is what if we kind of try and run this guy some more plays? Because I think he's shown that ability to be a special player. In my opinion, he's an NBA talent, but he's not getting the opportunity to show it. He's a guy who can shoot with three. He's extremely tough down low. He can back guys in down low. Um, He can play tough on defense. So one thing he probably needs to improve is his ball handling. But besides that, he's been – he's been so good. Like we, I gave the percentages 61.5% on three point attempts and 69% from the floor. Those are by far the best numbers on the team, but his, the attempts do not match up. Yeah. I think they need to start getting him going a lot more, even though he already is, but they need to get him going even more. Uh, He's got to be in the starting lineup every game. And I think there's really no question anymore that, they flipped around the starting lineup a lot and you can't, you got to You got to just stick with him now. He's the guy that's going to be consistent. Uh, it looks like at least. Right. Cause Jairus Hamilton has struggled to shoot the ball. He struggled tremendously to control the ball. Um, it's really been a struggle there for Hamilton so far in the games that he's been in. And, and I think you're completely right. Um, he has five assists and six turnovers. He's, I mean, he's shooting well in some games. He's 44.8% from the floor, 37.5% from deep. But just compared to how the rest of a team has shot, that 
it just isn't the same. Um, and so, so you're looking at 8.6 points a game compared to 11.6. You're looking at a better shooting, shooting percentage, better in pretty much every single category. I, I just don't understand how you couldn't start Dante Scott. I, I kind of get it with Hakeem Hart as being kind of that tool off the bench. But Dante Scott is a guy that's going to bring you energy and just needs to start from the, from, uh, the tip. And I completely, completely agree with you there. Yeah, and what's concerning moving on from Dante is Aaron Wiggins' performance so far. I know he has a little bit of an elbow injury, but still this guy's four turnovers and only two made field goals in the entire game yesterday. That can't be happening from arguably your most skilled player who has a chance to make a jump to the NBA with his body and his size. Which If he can be more consistent. Now is seemingly – not going to happen if the play that he's had keeps up which is unfortunate because he has the body for it he does he has the skill for it he just can't put it together I don't know why yeah hopefully we'll see that develop and we talked about the shooting in the last game they're really going to have to improve that for their first Big Ten game of the season against Rutgers what is kind of the first things on your mind you just had the Big Ten preview out today, so you're very familiar with this team and a bunch of teams around the conference. So what stands out to you right now about this matchup? Well, when you look at Rutgers, they're a top 25 team. They're phenomenal defensively. They're good at home. Uh, luckily, this game, for Maryland's sake, is in College Park. So once they return from Clemson, which I believe they probably already did, they don't have to travel until then. But – Rutgers is a team that's been winning without its best player in Geo Baker. He's a little banged up, hasn't played in a few games, and they've been winning without him. And I think that's the impressive thing for them. Uh, in my preview that I wrote for TestudoTimes.com today, um, where I ranked all the Big Ten teams, I put Rutgers at five uh, in the middle of the pack at competing for the conference title. Right now they're 4-0. They finished tied for fifth last year. They were turning basically four starters, five players who started last year. Uh, one was kind of mixed in there. But when you have guards like Geo Baker and Ron Harper, they are just very good defensively, and they can they can score as well. Um, it was Rutgers' defense last year was top ten in the efficient defense stat. Uh, I'm not sure what they are now to start the year, but they're – they're only allowing 65.8 points per game um, through four games. And last year they only allowed 62.6 total throughout the season. Uh, yes, their average might – or their allowed points per game is going to change when they play Big Ten opponents. But uh, they've really just shown that they're, they're a defensively sound team. And if they can improve their offense a little bit, they're returning seven of their top eight scorers from last year. So if they're going to improve their offense a little bit, which they should because they have those returners, they're going to make a lot of noise in this conference. And Rutgers basketball, many of you might not believe this, but they're a force to be reckoned with nationally now. They are. Yeah, I mean, it's not that hard to believe. They're ranked 21st in the country. Even still, a lot of people doubt them. A lot of people do just because they're Rutgers. They've never been there before. But Steve Peichel, credit to him. He's done a great job. Um, and they have, they have the guard play to, to compete. And their center in Miles Johnson's returning as well. 
and he's a big guy down low for them. Uh, so that's that's the matchup I think is going to torch Maryland because Jalen Smith dominated him last year. Um, if you remember that that whole sequence of Jalen having a block, he hit a three back down on the other end from the top of the key. Then there was a steal, and then he absolutely posterized somebody. I don't know if it was Miles Johnson, but in that game alone, Jalen Smith went off and shut down Johnson. Now Maryland doesn't. Are you talking about the first or the second game? Because the second game, the game that was in College Park, the first one. Now you see that Maryland really doesn't have a true five. Uh, Obviously, Galen Smith is, but he's only six nine. He's physical. He's he's old enough to play. He's he's got the mind for it, and he's got the composure. But I'm interested to see that matchup down low. uh, How Rutgers attacks with their best players being their guards, if Geo Baker can return, um, which I don't know the status on him. But if they do have those best guards around the perimeter at the top of the key, who Maryland's best defenders would be guarding in Daryl Morsell, uh, Aaron Wiggins, maybe even Dante Scott, Eric Ayala, whoever is going to guard those guards, it's going to leave sort of a question mark down low if Rutgers can get the ball into the paint and score from there. I think they're going to – there's a chance that Maryland could lose their second straight game. Yeah, I mean, this currently has been projected to be a pretty close game, and I honestly seeing it being a close game if Maryland can get those things together that we, you know, talked about and that you've mentioned, right, you know, you just mentioned. So uh, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here. Um, like we've talked about before, the Big Ten is extremely, extremely deep this season. And – it's going to be a huge test for Maryland. And so this is kind of kind of going to let us see where the team is at. It's going to be a very tough stretch that Maryland is going to have moving forward. So I think the good thing about this, right, is that you've Rutgers on December 14th. Then you have uh, over a week until you play your next team, which is LaSalle. And so I think what you need to do is you play this Rutgers game, see what's going to be issues in the Big Ten against these higher-tier teams. You'll then have stuff from Clemson. You'll have stuff from Rutgers. And you can really work on that and experiment with different things against LaSalle because then you're going to have a tough slate coming up. Purdue, Wisconsin, Michigan. Um, You'll have Indiana. Uh, You have Iowa and Illinois back-to-back later in the season, which will be really tough. Um, It's going to be a tough slate. It really is. And so it's important that they try different things uh, in that LaSalle game and that they're able to see what works and what doesn't against Rutgers. And that, like we said, they need to make those in-game adjustments because Big Ten wins are going to be hard to come by this year. They need to take advantage of every single opportunity. And they need to figure it out now. And that, that's the thing for them is this weekend, clean it up, turn the page, go right into Big Ten play. And Maryland women's basketball also play Rutgers as well on Monday in Piscataway. So we'll see if Maryland can win the series of Maryland versus Rutgers this weekend in all three sports. Right. You normally have it just basketball to basketball, but now we've got football too and should be a, a fun weekend. For sure. So thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll have coverage from all three games across all of testudotimes.com. Twitter, everything like that. Stay tuned for that, and we'll see you guys next week.